And we're on episode 11 now of Friday Night Counter-Attack. I'm in my new flat. We're in a new year. So happy new year, everyone. We've got three of us on the treatment table with COVID. So that's why there's only three of us today. So fortunately, Salim and Rahil and myself are all COVID-free. How are you all doing? You're right. Yeah, no, but I just want to say get well soon to Arif, Vish and uh, Saf that are here today. Hopefully they'll be back soon, lads. So when you're listening, get well soon, lads. It's not the same without them as well. We're missing the normal yeah, six. Yeah, I know. It's been like that for a few weeks now, unfortunately, but now we know why. Um, but yeah, because it was, again, just the three of us. It didn't feel right to carry on with our normal routine of um, doing our whole agenda of what we do, the scouting report, the predictions and all of that. So we just kept it nice and easy for today. And because it's our first proper 2021 review of the footballing calendar, we just thought to keep it easy. So it was like Premier League winner, Champions League winner, that kind of thing. So, so first of all, who would be in your top five for the Premier League this season? You don't have to put it in any order because I don't have an order at all. So, as in teams or players? We'll go for teams. Cool. I think pretty much had what what the table looks like. If I'm honest, um, mm. obviously. Number one, I'd still say, obviously, how the table says they've obviously missed out. In terms of injuries, you look at, obviously, someone as big as Virgil van Dijk not being in their team. And, obviously, how they've still done well to be top of the table. And, obviously, uh, Firmino not being on his best form. I think Salah and Mane have just done what they normally do. Jota being injured as well. Yeah, Jota as well, which who did pretty well, obviously, when the season started. And when once he came into the team. Um, but yeah, I think they've, they've done pretty well, obviously having other players um, covering. They're not doing very well now as we speak. It's Southampton 1, Liverpool nil. Let's hope it stays that way. Let's hope by the end of the podcast we're not getting annoyed at Liverpool scoring. I think the second yeah. half will probably begin then when we finish the podcast. But yeah, 1-0 Southampton. Yeah, Liverpool I'd pull first. Um, then obviously, I'd, I'd say Man United, obviously how the table is. They've had their fair share problems as well, but they managed to dig deep and obviously they're second in the table. Um Obviously, you've got the likes of City as well, who uh, obviously still got games in hand. You've got the likes of Aston Villa, obviously still still up there, still in still in a race with whatever side thinks they're racing for, thinks it's a title. But I think it's they probably will be in a race for top four or top six at least. Yeah, top four. I, th- I think I think that'd be their aim. Top four, I think it probably still is a big shot. But like I said, it's one of them seasons you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, obviously they, they lost to Man United but they'll probably play their game in hand against City and they could easily pick up three points after City what's it called uh, demolished Chelsea yesterday it's just been one of them seasons so far so yeah I think all teams if you look at them have been on and off no one has really looked consistent enough to basically say these guys are going to win the title I think we can all agree on that if you Definitely. have to go around and if you have to go around and ask us all one by one who's going to win the league I think apart from Salim would probably say Villa I don't think you can really put put your finger on a team actually running away and winning it which, which is good from a neutral point of view but obviously I'd, I'd love it if we managed to pull it off I think it's still a long way to go yeah that's what I was thinking as well I was like I can't name a title winner at the moment but in terms of the classic top six that you see I don't think it's going to be like that at all I'm agreeing with yeah, you no, at the same time the fact that Spurs and Arsenal can drop points just as easily Leicester could drop points just as easily but yeah, when you saw Leicester stage. against Newcastle, they were fantastic. And the yeah. players that they, they have, they always go under the radar and, and compared to other teams. But Madison and Didi Tielemans is one of the best midfields in the league for me, from what I can mm. see. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to use Spurs as probably the best example because you look at them in the first few games, everyone's saying they're the ones that are mm. going to push Liverpool. Yeah. Then they lost, they, they, I think they drew two games and lost one. And they, they, were, they ended up being like seventh, sixth or seventh in the table. Yeah. 
So, uh, and then obviously now they've won a couple of games and they're back in the top four. So, I think, like we said, it's just one of them seasons where pretty much anything can happen. For a rough estimate, I'd probably go Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Leicester, and probably Tottenham in the top five, I'd say. I feel like Lampard and Arteta won't probably make it against the likes of Brendan Rodgers and Jose Mourinho in that fight. And Southampton just killing it at the moment. Like I said, they're doing really well. We just need to see if they can stay consistent or not. But that would be my kind of top five for the league. So what about you? What would you say? Uh, I don't want to make a prediction. Bloody hell, this is something... I, I refuse, this is, this I is refuse to make a prediction. Predictions. I refuse to make a prediction. I'm just going to put it out there that yeah, I'm just going to have Liverpool and Man City in there and that's it. I'm not going to predict anything else. As like fifth and fourth, oh, so basically. Liverpool, Liverpool and City for the title. One of them two, basically. Saying. Yeah, not United. That's, no, that's fine. That's, that's that. understandable. I that's your prediction. That. I wouldn't, I'll be honest with you, I'm a United fan, but I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. That's yeah, but it's more is. like, it's more like I feel sick how, um, you know, just game penalties for fun and that kind oh, of here, thing. Here we go, lads. I was, waiting, I, was like, waiting I, to see, I was waiting to see how long it's going to take for the agenda to begin. Go ahead, Salim. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, it's not right, is it? What is it? Thirty penalties in like forty games or something. Did you see how like uh, Andy Gray and Richard Keys just had that full on assault on Man United on there? I agree with somebody had to do it. I respect them for that. They should get a pay rise. Yeah, but to be fair, if you, if you look at it, really, Leicester have got the most penalties this season. United have had six. But that's including the one in the weekend. Leicester have had 10, but there's, there's there's no mention of Leicester getting too many penalties or nobody's even looked at how they've got their penalties, nothing. It's literally since Bruno Fernandes has come into Manchester United and started scoring penalties, he's he's triggered literally all other 19 clubs. And I would say I would say because we used to get penalties before Bruno Fernandes came. We even used to get penalties when Fergie was manager, but I don't think you never used to see pundits and rival fans making uh, videos showing United's last 30 penalties in the last year and a half, I just think it's pretty much embarrassing, if I'm honest with you, because even someone like Bruno Fernandes, who a lot of rival fans dislike for whatever reason, but yeah, he scores penalties, but most of his goals haven't been penalties. And if you compare his record with on his non-penalty goals, he, he breezes everyone in the Premier League as a midfielder. No, I rate him as a player. I'm just thinking that the people in the VAR room, like, you know, when they go home and take the United tops off, are they happy with what they've done? <laughs> nah, I can see why you say that. But no, it's just... But yeah, I mean, I'd probably give you like a top six then. I, yeah. I might as well. So Liverpool, Man City, mm. Leicester. Liverpool, on, Man City, Villa. Leicester. You know you want to say, go and put them in the top four. And then... Um, dream, dream of the Champions League. Wait, throw them in there. Throw, throw them in there. Yeah, I'm going to throw them in there somewhere. Throw them in there. I'm going to throw them. They're going to be in there somewhere. Champions League nights yeah. at Villa Park. So it's Liverpool, going to happen. Liverpool, Liverpool, Man City, Spurs. Uh, sorry, Leicester, Spurs, and then Villa and United somewhere chasing. But wait, like, wait a second. Wait a second. Surely, if you're saying we've got the referees in our pocket and the officials in the VAR room are Manchester United fans, how are we going to miss out on the top four? You're literally you're you're pretty oh, no, much contradicting I thought it was any order. I thought it was but just yeah, six but, in any. If we've got the referees in our back pocket, I can guarantee you we're at least going to make top four. But you're saying we're not going to get top four. Well, is that six so in any you, order? You, you just you just contradicted yourself there. If we had the referees in our back pocket, you'd say you're not still going to go on and finish in the top four. But uh, yeah, um, you could do. 
if it wasn't for the VAR and the refs, then you'll probably be like, you know, mid-table club, like 12. That kind of thing. Yeah, 12th or 13th. With David Moyes out of us, we didn't finish 12th or 13th, but yeah, never mind. So it's I mean, that's the best, it's the best signing you made this summer. Which one? VAR. Oh, that old joke. We, we, we signed <laughs> them from the start when VAR come, mate. They bought VAR just for United. Had it yeah, ready and waiting. So. That's the top five, six, then. Who would you say would get relegated from the Premier League this season? So oh, I'd go for, me, for Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom. I think it's one of the yeah, easier that, ones to see. That's the, yeah, that's the same three that I said. I said that I said that at the start of the season, it'd be them three. And like, if you look at Sheffield United, though, they've only had one point, is it? Now, or is it two points? Two points, points, yeah, two two points. points, and they played well around 17 games, which is and they lost the last the three, and they lost the last three or four games of last season as well. So they've not won a game in 21 22 games. I think for me, Sheffield United have just been found out by every team in the league, so they know how to set up against them and how to play against them. And the fact that Dean Henderson left as well is a big miss. Yeah, I'm, I think that's probably their biggest miss because I think Dean Henderson did save them a lot last season, and it was one of those situations where you couldn't replace him like they're both in the worst situation really Henderson's bench warming at Man United and Sheffield United are in the relegation zone and they literally just came into the Premier League last season but they overachieved because everyone saw how well they were doing with their system and their way of football but it just hasn't worked for them so far and maybe if they can buy some new players in January it could actually yeah I was just going to say I think the January transfer window we'll see I think the clubs like um, Sheffield United probably West Brom as well I think Big Sam did say he's in for a uh, Defender today in the in the uh, in his press conference. So you don't know, you don't you don't really know. I think the January transfer will probably say a lot about where clubs are going to finish as well. And I don't really see much happening for the bigger clubs this year for them for like the top six. I would say because it's more about the bottom clubs that need to kind of survive and creep their way up back up the table. Yeah, well, I think you never know. I, I I don't be surprised if you do see. I think probably all of the teams for the top six just go out and get a player or two. Because I think the way they're thinking now is like, like we've obviously discussed at the start of the podcast is it's come to the point where anybody can go on and win it. And obviously, if you look, probably look at managers, obviously like Pep, Klopp, Marino, they're probably thinking if we manage to get one gem in the window, yeah. that could basically push them on and separate them from the rest. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I yeah. think I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I think, I see where you're coming from, but I wouldn't be surprised as well if they were just to go out and spend the money. But, no, um, I agree with that. I agree with yeah. that. It could, it could just be that one signing, like that one strike or something that could make a difference. I mean, if you look at Chelsea, they could do it like probably three or four signings to get back yeah. to challenge at the moment. And look how much Jeff spent already as well. I feel like trusting youth would have been a better policy than signing all no, of these players so far. 100%, because I think you look at the players that they've got, like you look at a player like Mason Manchester, Billy Gilmore as well. Mm. I think they're the players that have pretty much stepped up for them. Even Hudson Odoi scoring what twice in the last yeah, two Hudson Premier League games that he's been playing. And I think what well, last season they were talking about him going to Bayern Munich, which made zero sense. And with players like Tomori, who's just been frozen out, and Abraham's just playing yeah, sparing he's, games. He's, he's another it's, one. It's crap to see because all of us rate Fikayo Tomori from like our five aside, six aside, what we picked under twenty threes, and I don't see why he's like fifth choice centre back. Even with Tammy Abraham, the fact that Werner's not been scoring and he still starts against Man City. Okay, you want to break and play on the counter attack, but. Sammy Abraham yeah. was just as quick. He would have finished a few of those chances that Warner had. I think Tomori would walk into any 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 of the Premier League clubs, probably bar like even probably even Liverpool could do with him now, but I think he'll almost walk yeah, into yeah. all the clubs and he'll he'll do a good job. So it, it makes no sense why Lamp Lampard's almost like freezing him out of the club. 
Because last season they, now, did, think, they did so well as well. The Dunks. Sorry, I was going to say now when you look at it, it looks like they didn't even have any sort of like transfer plan in place. They just signed yeah, like, just like all right, Havertz is a big name, Werner's a big name, Zayek is a big. We just they just went and bought. There wasn't. It doesn't look like there was a plan in place saying like, yeah. you know, we need to sort of address it or join people that play our kind of football because it looks like they've gone backwards if forwards, if anything. If like anything, Olivier, Giroud, Giroud should be starting. If Anything, yeah, 100 definitely. I think the way they've did like look at him when he played in the Champions League and he scored against Sevilla, and I think they played against the Leeds the game after and he scored for them as well. I think with Lampard and with Chelsea, I think as soon as Giroud has like a bit of an off game, they just think we need to take this guy to the team. It don't make sense. You look at Timo Werner, I think the only reason why this guy is still getting starts is because obviously he's a Lampard signing and the amount of money they spent on him. It's mm. like a German Fernando Torres, really. From what we can see mm. at the moment, mm. it's, it's More horrible. Like the German uh, Scott Hogan, really yeah. all about him. <laughs> it's 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 not great to see because you see all of these players play at their former clubs and for their countries and they were fantastic. But it's like Space Jam, that basketball film, when the players just lose yeah. all of their powers. When you're looking at Havertz and Ziyech, and Ziyech we saw at Ajax and he was fantastic. Havertz yeah, I wouldn't give as much stick to because obviously he's he's been injured in and he hasn't really been given a run of games. And mm. I think it was probably a bit unfair on him to be thrown in against Man City. And yeah. Because you could tell from the minute one, even when Ziyech had the ball, he just didn't see him himself. But I think, yeah, you, you look at them overall, it's pretty much the youngsters which are keeping keeping the floor going and obviously Giroud as well. I Definitely. think uh, Giroud should be starting almost every game for them, if I'm honest. There's a reason why mm. he's starting in that French team and that French team won the World Cup. That's, that pretty much says everything. It's yeah, just... I agree with that. And the other thing is, like, it's like we said that day, we never want to see a signing do badly, you know, yeah. for whichever team they play for. We don't want to see no, anyone 100%. do badly. But you just look at, like, Havertz as well, like, what, £80 million they spent. And I, he, he's not done it. I mean, he probably needs more time and stuff. But I don't think his best form is going to come under Lampard. Because yeah, no, they're gonna agree. they're gonna have to get him to play. They're gonna, no matter what, somebody's going to have to get him to play. I, like, I, think, I think the worst thing for players like that is when you're young. And you've done well abroad. There's a lot of pressure on you. Plus, when you're coming to a team like Chelsea, who now basically everyone's relying on you. You're the you're the biggest the biggest transfer for them in the whole summer, and everyone's expecting him from from basically game one to just hit the ground running. And I don't think you can always expect that from a player, especially coming abroad. You can't expect them to just come and hit the ground running like that. And yeah. I think that's where Havertz probably does need a bit of time, and where it's been a bit unfair. But like, like I think, like Sal said, I think they just didn't have no transfer policy. They just went out and thought we need to spend a lot of money. Which don't get me wrong, a lot of the clubs have done. All you look at all the top clubs, they've all pretty much done that. And uh, but I, I do think you do need to have like an idea of at least what kind of player you want to go for. But with Chelsea, it's just been with picking. I think I think probably their best signing in the whole summer has probably been uh, Ben Chilwell for them. I think he's yeah. probably looked mm. the most comfortable. And if you look at him, he's got a Premier League experience. And you can, you can pretty much tell that he looks like he's been playing for them for ages. So I think that's what it comes down to. You've got to be very clever. I think buying a lot of foreign players at once doesn't really work out. You look at, I think, uh, Villas Boss, when he did the same at Spurs, when Bayer left, he went out and he bought quite a lot of just foreign players and put them together. And I think in a league like the Premier League, it, it, it can't really work for you. But Newcastle yeah. are famous for that as well, was buying foreign players, but there's not that transfer policy, but it's happened so much where they spend so much for foreign talents, but they don't all gel at the same time because it's just a new climate, new environment, this, that and the other. It just doesn't help for them at all. If if you were to say for Man City, because they're, they're missing a striker, Jesus hasn't really cut it when Aguero has been injured, would you? who would you have said would be would have been a good sign-in for Man City, for Pep Guardiola to kind of replace Aguero? 
perfect for them, I'd probably say Holland if I'm honest. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. I think if if I'd you look at probably what's available as well and what they can go and get, I probably would say Erling Holland for them. Um, obviously his dad used to play for him. He's got good links with them as well. So you never know. It's probably a transfer we can end up seeing in the future. But if I had to pick one that probably would fit in there, I would say Holland. Because he would have he would have fit with their style of play as well. And everyone looks at him. Oh, he's tall. He's big. And they always expect him to be like a big lump, like a target man. But he's not. He plays like he can just run through players. With yeah, I think with him, what's special about him is he can play a bit of both. He can go into a game, and if a manager wants him to just be target man, he can do that. And obviously, he can play the free uh, free flow attacking football as well. So, I think he'd probably be number one for City. Obviously, there's, then, talks of him, there's talks of Mbappe, but with yeah. Mbappe, you don't really know what's going to happen. Exactly. City, that price tag just keeps rising. City, City, yeah, City probably are the only ones with money, but it depends if he's even going to leave. I think a lot of people with Mbappe don't realise he's living in his home. He's living in his home country. He's playing for PSG. He's playing the big games. He's winning titles. What would he really leave for until he wins the Champions League? I think the only time he probably would leave is if he was to win the Champions League for PSG. Um, because I think that's the only thing he really needs to tick off his list there, and then he probably wouldn't move on to a new challenge. But with Mbappe, he's always pretty much young, so it's another one. Salim, what do you reckon regarding players to watch for the next half of the year? So we always go on about the big players, but in terms of underrated players for you from now until the end of the season, who do you who do you think we should be looking out for? I don't know. I'd, I'd just say take a good look at that Villa squad, if anything. A lot of players in there that right. not, you know, that don't get the credit that <laughs> they deserve. And if you look at how we've come from being sort of brink on the brink of relegation to sort of top four contenders, top top six contenders, I think that's. I think it'd be them. Emmy Martinez is getting a lot more credit now, but Esri Concert's probably one. He's not been dribbled past in the Premier League yet. He probably deserves an England call up soon. He's better than sort of Maguire, I'd say. Oh, is Conte English? Yeah. I never knew that. We've got about 50 right backs for England, I know that. Um, probably Douglas Louise is another one just in front of him. Other than that, I'd probably say um, Pedro Neto at Wolves. He's been, he's looked quite good a few times I've seen him. He's been fantastic to watch. The thing is, Aston Villa are actually getting the right amount of press this season as well because you've actually gone from relegation candidates to top six, top uh, top half challenges as well, which has been fantastic. I know we're not we always banned to by Aston Villa and this that the other, but the fact that even you're playing attractive football, it's enjoyable to watch. And I mean, we did beat you and we did match you toe, toe for toe really the other day. But regarding players to watch, even players in like Southampton, like Bednarak, I think is quality. Walker mm. Peters' Vestergaard. quality as well. Vestergaard is really good. Webster from Brighton and Ben White mm. from Brighton as well. Like all these centre backs and defenders are doing really well, but they're going under the radar because, again, with the Euros coming up, again, that's what I kind of wanted to allude to the fact that England have probably for the first time in my lifetime one of the best selections to choose from. That if you see people left out at the 23, like Raheel said before, everyone's going to get annoyed the fact that certain players will be missing out on the call-ups and stuff. So, Raheel, who yeah. would you say have we missed out in terms of players to watch for the next couple for the next couple of months? I'll be honest with you, there's one name that sticks out for me and I hate it that he played for a rival, but I'm a massive admirer of him and that's Phil Foden. I think yeah. if he definitely, definitely should be, you know, he should definitely be, you know, around that England squad. I think watching him yesterday play for City and as much as I hate him, I think he's a player you can only appreciate. It's like watching David Silva when he played for him. You didn't like City, but you, you just appreciate how good Silva was of a player. I pretty much think Foden can become as good as that, if not better. And that's, I know that's me putting my neck on the line, but I really do think Phil Foden is that good. 
and I just hope England do not ruin him. Um, I think that Man City could have um, bed Foden in a bit better last season. I don't think they've like given him, you know, enough yeah. game time. Like, I think, I think he deserves to play. Yeah, no, I see what like, you mean. Like, I think that if they would have given him at least 15 more like starts, like properly last season, he'd be slightly further than where he is now. I think that. Yeah, just no, not... yeah, I agree. But I think probably from City's point of view, what you got to look at is obviously the way Liverpool ran away with this every game almost. He was like, we need to win this game. I think Guardiola was just putting out his best limb. I think that's why probably David Silva started most time over Foden. But I do see where you're coming from. I think they could have given him more game time. But it's good to see that he is getting that game time now and he isn't letting City down. Plus, I also think if he had like good enough finish, like I think uh, Hamza mentioned earlier, Jesus hasn't really been doing it for them since Aguero's mm-hmm. been injured. If he had a decent finish, he'd look even better. And I think that's, that's a lot. Of, that's a case with a lot of the midfielders in the Premier League. You look at them, and you just think that they'd, they'd be bagging up so many more assists um, if they had decent strikers in front of them. Bukayo Saka for one as well. Like, yeah, I, I've another, hyped another, him up. Another, another brilliant player. I've hyped him up from when he was playing that left back and left mid, but seeing him go from to a right winger now is fantastic. The fact that Lacazette scoring for them shows that he's actually getting the assist and getting the goals at the same time. and It's just great to see. But with the Euros coming up, uh, I've just seen who would you have in your starting eleven because I'm quite curious to see how you would line up. And I'm not one of those Gareth Southgate fans that like the whole 5-3-2 formation. And I'd rather go for something a bit more you know, a bit more aggressive with the players that we've got and the talent that we've got. So for Yeah, me- I think five at the back, sorry, I was going to say five at the back isn't the answer with all these quality players that we've got. Mm. We're just ultra-defensive at the World Cup, Carpen again. Because again, playing like a back four of like Alexander-Arnold, Maguire, Mings and Chilwell would be quality. And then having a front six of like Ward-Prowse, Rice, Grealish, then Sterling, Kane and Rashford. Even having something like that, we've got uh, Rice, you can drop back into centre defence. Yeah, no, I, I think I definitely start Declan Rice as a CDM. I think over probably any of them in England. But I do think also Southgate's just going to go with experience and pick Jordan Henderson. Mm. Obviously, what's done for Liverpool and stuff, I think he will pick him ahead of Rice. Henderson and Dyer, is that double pivot? Yeah, thing if you ask me, I'll, I'll definitely play uh, Declan Rice ahead of any of them in CDM. It's just one of those think... things that we just got to see how how brave he will be against what Scotland Croatia and the Czech Republic in the Euros yeah. so go on I don't think playing I don't think playing a double pivot is the answer as well I think it has to be either Henderson or Rice in that yeah in no, that 100% city. I wouldn't double three CDMs in all three games it makes sense it's a joke order. like we start we play players five at the back and then he plays two CDMs one CDM is pretty much a centre back anyway you know I mean I'm not saying get Bielsa or something but we need to um, <laughs> we need to play like sort of one CDM in front of a back four that can drop in whilst, you know, fullbacks push forward. We've got so much attacking potential, like why throw it away and waste it? And why limit them as well by playing them out of position just to fit a system? It's not something that I'm quite keen on because you see players playing out of position and it's just horrible when you see like players like Ozil on the right or or seeing players like Lingard playing centre mid for England and it just wasn't fun to see at the last World Cup, but find that proper system for everyone. I think it's just probably me just being happy when I'm playing FIFA, playing the 4-3-3 and having everyone going forward. But they've got so many fullbacks coming through. We've got so many attackers coming through, so many foreign talents, like we mentioned last week, coming through as well. Musiala for Bayern Munich. You've got Walker Peters coming through, Lamptey coming through. How are we going to get two right-backs when there's like eight, nine quality right-backs to choose from? It's yeah, crazy. you've got quite a few right-backs to choose from there. 
But I think that's that's I think that's why Southgate's ultimately gonna go for a back five. I think he's gonna put Walker in there with Trent mm. as a right wing back and he'll play with Chelwell as a left mm. wing back. I think we all don't want it, but I think we can all see it coming. What about with the European Championships coming up? Do you see any favourites, any outsiders, anyone really stirring the pot? Do you reckon it would just be a France or Germany type thing? I reckon I France. Think, with, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think with the Euros, it's probably going to be similar to all the leagues all over Europe. I think with the way players have been, obviously with COVID and obviously lockdown and having games and not having games and then having a busy schedule over Christmas, I think it's going to take its toll on the players. And I think... Uh, the Euros will almost be up there for anyone to grab. But don't get me wrong, I can see teams like Croatia going in with a good shout. Um, Portugal as well, pretty good team. I don't think it'll be easy for anyone there, just like how it is with the Premier League. I don't think it'll be easy for anyone. The, um, worst, the worst thing I've got on my mind as well is if COVID is still lingering then as well, like in other countries. Yeah, exactly. We don't even know if it'll, if it'll go ahead. It's just, it's just the world we live in now, man. You can't even see if fans are going to be back, you know, for yeah. the Euros at all. Do you reckon they'd still continue if, if fans won't be able to come back? I don't think they should, personally. Because it's like a celebration of football at the end of the day. Personally, I think they should. Because I think because it was cancelled last year, I think they just have to go with it now. Because if you look at it, the World Cup's going to be around the corner. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. It, is, it is depressing to say, but I just think the game's got to go on. Because I think I th- we'd rather have some sort of football rather than no football. Um, that's obviously from a fan perspective, but I can see as well where probably players and teams will say as well that normally when they play for their country, they're representing them. They're used to seeing obviously the stadium packed out, especially in a major tournament like the Euros. And I think that's why it probably have an effect on some teams. I was going to say, yeah, it kind of does really have to go ahead. I mean, we have got the World Cup in 2022 coming anyway, so hopefully fans can be back for then. But you have to rem- remember for the Euros, imagine all these like fans from you know, different European countries travelling to one country just to watch a game. It's just not going to work for COVID. Well, I do think one of the things you've got to look at as well, I think they were meant to have the final and the semi-finals hosted at Wembley. Wembley, but yeah. If you look at it, England are probably the worst country in terms of the lockdown and the cases. And I think when you do yeah. look at, obviously, other teams abroad, um, I know it's probably not related to probably, but you look at the cricket as well um, with New Zealand. Um, I think they were playing Pakistan that day and they literally had their, all the, their full crowd out I think it's countries like that that properly controlled it. So I think you never know. They might just sit down the um, FIFA and have a discussion with themselves. Sorry, UEFA. And just think we need to host it in, obviously, countries where we're going to see fans. Same with Australia as well. They've controlled it properly and they've got fans back in their crickets and stadiums, which is great. But the, the whole flip-flapping from the UK government has been awful. Like we just found out today, it may end up being another lockdown, like a full lockdown in the UK, which is awful. Yeah, it is, it is pretty much. Oh, is that confirmed? That's awful. Yeah, it's confirmed, but Premier League's still going on. Premier League, yeah, still football going on, so that's not too bad at the end of the day. Um, mm, it's better than no Premier League. It's better than yeah, no football. Just, just, yeah, they just confirmed it. I think I got a notification from TalkSport saying Premier League giving the green light to continue, so... Did your, did your uncle <laughs> give that speech? <laughs> no, mate. I think it was Arif in disguise. That's why he's not here tonight. He's <laughs> got the wig on. It's all good. Salim, did you need to go? Yeah, I need to go. I need to go and uh, drop some food off. No worries. We'll see you in the late. See you later. Take care. No worries. Take care. Later, I mean, man. it's not the same without everyone on it, but it was nice to see you too anyway. Yeah, we just got a conversation going, which is the main thing. So it's all yeah, good. Good to see you smiling after Friday's results. Yeah, just before I go, we, we got robbed. Yeah, so mate, you get robbed you want, mate, but And there's Maguire party was on there. Yeah, I don't want to speak oh, about it anymore. Shit, but yeah, that. no worries, Bye-bye. lads. Uh, so Salem's gone, so it's just you and I right here. So we'll just carry on going through a little quick fire round. So 
Europa League winner, who would you say is going to win the Europa League this season? Um, I think Europa League is wide open, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to be loyal to my team and say Manchester United. Yeah. But I, I do think as well, if we continue our form in the league, you never know. We might just drop off the Europa and focus on the Premier League. Um, and I think probably if you look at someone like Spurs, they're pretty much in the same scenario. They um, always I play their second team in the Europa League, which is good, like Vinicius yeah, that's, and that's Bale. Really and... But I think it'll be interesting to see what team Ole plays in the first game of the Europa. It'll be very interesting to see what is intended. But it also depends by then what position we are in on the league. Because they've got some big teams in Europa this season. Milan, Spurs, yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, I think Roma are in there as well. And it's just Benfica. They've been I think, quality I think well. another good shot as well is Rangers. Undefeated yes. um, all season. Steven Gerrard has finally turned the tables yeah. in Glasgow for nah, he's, Rangers. He's doing a good job there. Yeah, 100%. Look how, look how far ahead they are. They won the whole derby on the weekend as well. So I reckon yeah. they'd be a horrible team to face with with fans in as well. Like that atmosphere yeah, at Ibrox no, would be awful to face. Yeah. So having the, having no fans in Scotland would be a bonus for whoever's going to play that. Who's your player for 2021 to look out for? As in so far or like to the end of 2021, who do I think will stand out? Who you think will stand out to the end of 2021? I'm probably going to just, I don't know. Do you reckon it'll be another year of Ronaldo and Messi still doing bits? Or do you reckon this is the year where they kind of gradually... It, it can be, up? it can because I think with Ronaldo and Messi, I think they've come to that stage where obviously they're definitely not going to be scoring like the ridiculous numbers they were. I think mm. before they were hitting numbers almost to like a century in a calendar year, which is just crazy. But I think this uh, this year, obviously, they're not going to dominate that. But I think you never know. It still could be one of them. I think with the way everyone looks at it is, if you win the Champions League, your, your players are going to get mentioned the most. I think we've seen that with Lewandowski, and rightly so. He yeah. deserved to obviously be the he deserved, deserved to be a Crown Player of the Year. I'm a massive Ronaldo fan. I think he's the goal. But if you just look at year, um, Lewandowski had to take here. I think if PSG can push on, I think with Pochettino now as well, I think we can possibly be looking at like Neymar and Mbappe finally breaking into it. And taking it, yeah. I think I think you're absolutely right with that. When you win a Champions League or a World Cup, you'll get recognised with the players in the team. So if Mbappe wins yeah, the Champions 100%. League, yeah, then... he'll, 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 he'll definitely probably make the coin. He probably will win Team of the Year. I think that's just the way it is. And rightly so. I think if you do, if your top scorer for your team like Lewandowski was, and you go on and win the Champions League, and I think they won the treble, it makes sense why he got it. Um, and I just think that's how it's been measured on the past. Past, I think obviously it's a bit unfair on like defenders and goalkeepers and. Some midfielders, but um, I think that's just that's just the way we've uh, we've molded it to be. I think as a footballing as as well as FIFA as a footballing body, that's just the way they're doing it. Yeah, I think it's just pick pick whoever pick out of the Champions League winners or the World Cup winners. And that's that's understandable, really, because of the yeah. amount of numbers that just keep going up with Ronaldo and Messi. And if they win a Champions League, PSG, then Mbappe and Neymar will definitely be at the top of the list going forward. And I agree, hundred percent. Champions League winner. Champions League winner. I would go for I wouldn't go for Real Madrid or Barcelona. Probably it would probably be I'd probably go Bayern Munich again. Bayern Munich yeah, or Liverpool. I was gonna say that I think Bayern Munich probably looked the strongest out of the lot and most balanced. They've only I improved since last year, even if they've Liverpool, lost Thiago. Liverpool will probably be in the chat, but I just think without having Van Dyke there, I don't mm. know. I just think um, it won't be the same. Yeah, Van Dijk. I just think it's not it's not gonna be the same. I think playing in the league and playing in Europe are two completely different things. And I just think they they'll struggle with that in, in like a, if a big European clash does come, for example, yeah. if they get if they get PSG, I think they'll just be it'll be too much trouble for the other defenders to handle without Van Dijk. Even getting Juventus would be a good shout as well because all yeah. all three English teams have decent draws in the next round of the Champions League, so it's just 
making sure they can get around them and into the quarterfinals. Yeah, no, definitely. I don't see an English team doing that well besides Liverpool. I don't see Man City doing that well without a proper striker. City, I think, yeah, City probably can. But like, yeah, like you just said, obviously it depends on Aguero. Obviously, coming back, he came off the bench yesterday against Chelsea. But I know he came off the bench, I think, about a month ago and he just, he just wasn't himself. So they've given him another rest. Yeah. I think it might, it might be a clever move by Guardiola thinking the league's a bit tight. So let me give Aguero the rest he needs. And then now when he brings him back into the team, he can get full running. So I think Aguero is just Aguero. I think if he, you know, regardless of how long he's injured at from what injury he has, once he's back in the team, he'll start scoring goals, especially with the likes of Phil Foden, Kevin De Bruyne, Gundo one around him. Um, so you never know. City can push on for it as well. Um, but yeah, it's I think it's it's pretty much wide open. I think Bayern are the only really ones we can say at this moment in time that look like they'll they'll run away with it again. But everyone knows obviously how hard it is as well to win Champions Leagues back to back. So definitely, especially with teams like Atletico Madrid improving with like Suarez and Jao Felix. Another another good another good shot. I think they they're pretty much doing very well in uh, the La Liga. Mm. I think Madrid are they're the second behind Madrid, but Madrid have played two more games as the Real Madrid have. So I think if Atletico win them two games in hand, they'll go top of the league. So it's another team to uh, keep an eye on for. And I think for the past few years, it's been like the Atletico have always been in or around there in terms of the Champions League. I think minimum quarter finalists. So uh, yeah, they've yeah. had a few finals where they lost, but they won the Europa League against Arsenal that time. I think it was yeah. against Arsenal that time where they yeah. won the Europa League. But it's just they're the nearly men of the Champions League so far. Them and Juventus recently. So it would be nice to see someone new like win the Champions League. It'd be refreshing no, to see. Hundred percent. 100%. No worries. And I think Pochettino could do it for PSG as well, so it'd be a good one. That'd be great to see after losing. Could have a, could have, could have a replay. Could have a replay of last year's uh, final. On yeah. paper, it's a good final, but it's only one. Yeah, yeah. And Bayern just Bayern just dominated it. That's true. Where do you think England will get to in the Euros? I, I, should I be honest with you? I think they can go all the way mm. with the the players they have on ta- on paper. Sorry, the talented players they have. You just if like if I just roll off the names now, you've got. Obviously, you look Trent Alexander-Arnold, Aaron Bambisaka. They're just defenders. Obviously, you got Maguire, Stones, Chilwell. Um, you look the mid, the middle. The list just gets better. You got Grealish, Mount, Phil Foden, Declan Rice, and then obviously you look at the forward options. You've got Mason Greenwood, Marcus Rashford, Harry Kane, Raheem Sterling, Jadon Sancho. These are all world-class players. You look at all them front front. You look at their front three and who they've got to pick out from. Probably not Mason Greenwood just yet. But you look at the rest, Raheem Sterling, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Sancho, they've all proved it on a world-class uh, level. So I think they are in a really good shot. But I, just, I think it all depends on the manager and how he sets them up and who he plays and who he drops. But I do, think, I do think with that team, they can go all the way. They can even win it. That's me being honest. And I, I hope they do. But um, yeah, it's going to be one of them ones. Like, so I, think, I think with football, it's come to that stage where in every tournament, every league, it's wide open for anyone to come run away with it. You just got to get a good run of games going and you get in here with the shot. So uh, it's going to be very good to watch. I think once this league finishes as well, um, obviously it's a good job. We've got the Euros to look forward to straight away. Even for me, I think England can go all the way to a semi-finals for final and even win it. It'd be great to see yeah. because we've got such an array of talent coming through and even the players that will be leaving at home. And I reckon players like Callum Wilson, Jamie Vardy, obviously retired. Yeah, definitely. Danny Ings, Patrick Bamford. These are strikers that are doing great in the Premier League this season and they probably won't make the plane. Or, you know, they won't make the squad for the Euros at the moment because there's such an array of talent. It's just, like I said before, everyone will get annoyed at the Gareth Southgate squad that he picks because there will always be people that... Yeah, there's, there's going to be a few good players that are going to miss. I think we can all see that coming. Um, there's going to be very good players that probably miss out. But I think that's a good problem for him to have. 
And I think with the team he picks, he will get criticised on it. But I think how they perform out there, he will be massively criticised. Mm. I think especially with how he how they did in the World Cup getting to the semi-final. I think if they don't at least get semi-finals, I, I do think that his job will be at risk purely because England don't want to be at that stage where they've got a lot of talent and they're taking a backward step. Definitely. But the one thing I do like about Gareth Southgate is he doesn't go for uh, the players that play for the big teams, if you know what I mean, like yep. under Cup yeah, or under... He gives, he gives everyone a fair chance. And he goes for the players on form, which is great. And there's still more players that aren't really getting games are on form. Like, I'm a big fan of Nick Pope. I think Nick Pope yep. is a superior goalkeeper to... Uh, yeah, Jordan I think two, three, two seasons and now he's been on the top of his game. I think made the most saves in the Premier League last season as well. Mm. And kept, I think he was in he was in the race for the Golden Glove, and he's at a place. He's at a team like Burnley, and I think he was in the race with Allison and Edison, who are the two best clubs all ultimately of the past few seasons in the Premier League. So I think Nick Pope, yeah, I think he's been waiting a lot for his chance, and I probably do think he deserves it. I personally don't think Pickford should get it. I think it has to be between Pope and Henderson. Yeah, I think especially if you're looking forward, um, you'll have you'll have to give it to one of them too. And especially going for players like literally. Uh, Pope, even though he's not the ball playing ball playing goalkeeper like Pickford is and everything, that like Gareth Southwick likes the keeper. You don't always have to be. The fact that he's saving shots like a proper goalkeeper would do, and he's got that command and presence about him, I don't see that in Pickford, and I think that's unfortunately a weakness because ever since that World Cup, when he did really well for us, yeah, he's kind of gone on a downhill slope since 2018. And same with a few players, unfortunately, like John Stones is one of them, and I want John Stones to do really well because I think he should really be starting, but it's just not doing that great well he's yeah. doing he's doing okay now back in the team for Man City but there's so many players that we will be leaving out of the England squad no it's but, I think the rest of the Premier League season will see a uh, play a massive part in it I think also as well as you look at is unfortunately it's tough it's, it's not good to say but there are going to be some injuries to some big players there will be it always happens to England yeah with the Premier League it always happens and yeah you want to see players yeah I'm just hoping it doesn't affect the big, big players and we can go on and put a good fight out there. Especially with players like the starting 11s, we've had Rooney's injured, we've had Beckham's injured, yeah. Owen's injured and it's just ruined our plans. John Terry and the Ferdinand racism thing when only Terry came to the Euros that year as well. Yeah. And we went to that World Cup with um, the 2014 World Cup with Jagielka and Cahill as our first choice centre-backs and playing yeah. at Suarez and uh, Balotelli for Italy as well. You can keep going back to these players, but the fact that, like I said, this is the first time in my lifetime where the 23 doesn't pick itself. And no, 100%. You can see players like Bukayo Saka coming through, Smith Rowe, if he does really well for Arsenal, he could even get a shout in. But the fact you've got players like Madison who barely make the bench or Foden who's yeah. in and out of the team. I think the, the only players you can really put like your money on that you know will start at, they will probably will be like Sterling, Kane, Rashford and probably Maguire, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, it's just because obviously how he's been for England and obviously how the rest have been. I think they're probably the only only four you can pretty much put your money on and say they will start in the games for England. But um, like I said, you never know. It's just one of them things, isn't it? Definitely. It all depends on the season plays out. A lot, of, a lot of football to come this year, which is good for us. Obviously, with the circumstances, we're in lockdown now. We don't know how long it's going to go on for. Whether it's, it's going to come off and there'll be another one. I think after 2020, you just can't tell. So. Uh, it's good to see that football still carrying on. It's obviously something for us to stay engaged with, and obviously this podcast as well mm. is super. But obviously, I just wanted, wanted to say as well, thank you to all the guys obviously supported us along the way so far in 2020, and uh, we're hoping for a big 2021 with the Friday Night Podcast. 
it's, a, it's been fantastic to just carry on. And this is why we started it, because we started it in lockdown. And now there's another lockdown in the UK. So we're just here enjoying ourselves, having a chat about football, keeping it easy and keeping it a regular thing, which, yeah, I've, which I've loved. Something to look forward to. Makes our Mondays a bit brighter, really. And even yeah, though we've got people out, out, we've got Araf out, we've got Vish out, we've got Saf out, Salim out to leave, but it's just the fact that mm. they've unfortunately got COVID-19 and yeah, it's awful yeah, no, to see. Man. But with a Hopefully we'll have, them, we'll have them back soon, man, and we'll all be six back of us on here, man. Yeah, I miss the loud, the loud Monday evenings. Nah, it's no, it's been, a very, it's been a very quiet one. I think normally afterwards, I'm having to have a glass of water even during, but I haven't had nothing all podcast. I haven't even started my second bottle of J2. That's how quiet it's been today. (laughs) Yeah, normally I don't think anybody's letting you get away and you just stay drinking, but yeah, man, hopefully we'll have the lads back soon. Nah, we'll be well and good. But now we'll just leave it there, everyone. It's been a quieter Monday evening, but hopefully you've enjoyed our little just preview for 2021. But thank you, Raheel. Thank you, Salim, who's also left. But just a a last note from me. If if you are alone in this COVID-19 lockdown period, just be wary that you've got people out there who potentially... If you need to talk to Samaritans or if you want to get in contact with an old family or friend member, please do it because after that first lockdown in the summer, a lot of people realised they were a lot more upset and depressed than they were. So even though it's not really my place to say if, if I'm invading your business, I don't really care. Just stay healthy, keep your mind occupied and keep it easy, really. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, everyone, for following us on our social medias, on our YouTube, TikToks, Instagrams. It's been great to see you and we're enjoying making this content. So Thank you, everyone, and take care. See you later.